Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast, here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 57 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Dinah Zubris edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the Dinosubris to my Benoit Pouliot, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm uh, I'm surviving. I'm okay. It's been a surviving. rough week, but glad <laughs> glad to be here. Yeah, you were you had a bit of a bug there last week, and unfortunately, it's it's carried through. And even yeah. on your birthday, that's that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least uh, the Canadians came through in the end and uh, delivered the birthday victory. Uh, on did. Tuesday, that was uh, that was very enjoyable. That was a bit of a birthday present for you, you know. Have have a little bit of of cake, maybe nurse your uh, nurse your ailments, and see the Montreal Canadiens beat the Boston Bruins. I think that that is the best uh, the best medicine right there. But uh, yeah, it's been been an interesting week for the Montreal Canadiens. Last week we talked about roller coasters, and this week was certainly a roller coaster. Um, and uh, we're in. November at this point in time, as we, we talked about last week, we have started to grow our facial hair, our mustaches, uh, what will be mustaches at some point. Me right now, I'm just kind of, I have stubble all over and I'm just trying to groom it once the hair comes in a little bit thicker. But uh, where are you at with your mustache at this point in time? <laughs> Well, I've I've just let uh, I just ha- stopped shaving um, uh, completely as of November first, so everything's coming in, and at some point I'll 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 carve around and decide what kind of uh, mustache it'll be, and and uh, <laughs> whether it's the you know the full Nate Thompson or yeah um, something in between, and uh, yeah, we'll see what kind of of design we end up with. That's that's a good look. I think you could rock the Nate Thompson for a month. I, I'd yeah. like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we'll dive right into uh, the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, well, it didn't get off to a great start last week. Uh, last Saturday night, Montreal Canadiens trying to finish off a pretty good road trip, all things considered. Wanted to finish it off on, on a high note in Dallas. Uh, unfortunately, though, they lose 4-1. to one. Uh, nothing really to uh, take out of that game. Um, Arturi Lekkinen scored the lone Canadiens goal. Aside from that, uh, not a whole lot to talk about out of that Dallas game, other than you know some things that you would really like to improve. And there was another game that you'd really like to improve things uh, a little bit later in the week. But before they went back out on the road to Philadelphia, they went home. And as you said, as we talked about, they played the Boston Bruins, got a really uh, – really wild game there uh, against the Boston Bruins. You'd expect nothing less. And the Canadians won that one five to four. Victor Mehta with two more goals. is becoming a lethal goal scorer. And uh, Ben Sherratt picking up uh, the game-winning goal. Now, there was a little bit of a, of a controversy that emerged out of that game that we're going to be talking about in the second segment, in addition to some other 
controversial pieces of news that have emerged out of some of these Canadians games. And uh, speaking of that, um, well, we do want to say, though, uh, Zdeno Chara in that game against the uh, Montreal Canadiens, he played his 1500th career game. And that was a really cool thing. And uh, Shea Weber, they, the Canadians did this thing where they had him up on the Jumbotron congratulating uh, his fellow uh, NHL captain and his both two great defensemen, both two great captains. And uh, it was a, it was a really classy moment and, uh, and Zdeno Chara said as much. So that was, that was a really cool thing that they did. And uh, finally, we had the three to two overtime loss at the Philadelphia Flyers where Carey Price, my God, Carey Price, he stole a point out of that one. And that game, and, and, and we were talking about it afterwards the next day, and, and I, I don't think I could come up with a better takeaway from that game. It, it just kind of melted my brain. That was just, a, that game was crazy. The officiating that we're going to be talking about in the second segment, the, uh, you know, the Canadians being able to come back despite only really playing half an hour <laughs> of that game. I mean, it was, it was just a wild one. And yeah, it supports what we talked about last week about these this this Canadian team, man. It's going to be a roller coaster, <laughs> an absolute roller coaster, and um, <laughs> and with with, uh, with I guess even a roller coaster within the game on on yeah. uh, on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, just when you think back over the week, certainly uh, officiating played a, a large uh, role on on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, that was kind of a, a theme and we'll get to that, uh, in the second segment, Carey Price play, played a big role, um, in each of the games was, was talked about in, in, uh, after each game and, and, uh, played extremely well on, um, on, uh, Saturday in the loss to Dallas and, and, uh, yeah. unworldly, you know, otherworldly on, on, uh, Thursday in Philadelphia and, and uh, I, at, at one point, uh, the Flyers were on pace for a 60-shot yeah. um, game. <laughs> and the shots were, uh, after 30 minutes, were 33-13. And, and the Flyers went on a 25-1, and one, uh, 25 shots to the Canadians, one at, at, at one kind of uh, stint. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of things to remember about the week. You think about... Uh, the big Mayo incident in in uh, in Dallas, yeah. <laughs> um, which turned out to be a bit of a uh, a prank by the um, uh, a stunt by the uh, the Dallas crew, and good on them. Yeah. Um, you know, planting <laughs> a couple of uh, so-called Canadians fans with a giant jar of mayo, and and good research there too, because mayo yeah. is a mayo is a thing in in uh, in Montreal, in Quebec. Um, they tried uh, the in the prior to the game in Philadelphia on the jumbotron. They had gritty in the rage room, um, dismantling Justin Bieber, which I didn't think quite worked because I don't no, know that's... many Canadians that have much love for Bieber, and certainly <laughs> not Montrealers. So that was no. less less effective. But um, yeah, quite a week uh, and lots of lots of different storylines. I think the 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 storyline for me though was. Um, you know, we hear about the Canadians being a, an excellent five-on-five uh, five team. Uh, they've been scoring at a at a, a, a high pace all all season, and the top six 
um, this past week, just absolutely top six scoring absolutely dried up. Um, yeah. I just had a, I had a, I had a look last night for those three games, the Dallas, the Boston, the Philadelphia game. Um, and uh, the, we had the top line, Tatar, uh, Dano, and Gallagher. And uh, the only goal out of that is uh, from Tatar in those three games. Uh, the second line of Drew and Domi and Armia, you had uh, zero goals there. Um, it was the third line. Uh, thank goodness for the third line uh, with Lekkonen and Byron each scoring. Uh, two yeah. goals out of the uh, uh, third line doubling the combined first and second line and, and uh, um, the, the top two lines didn't, didn't play well. And, and, you know, as we were saying before we came on the air, the last four goals scored by the Montreal Canadians this week have come from defensemen. Thank goodness for yeah. the defensemen contributing to the offense as well. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, the top two lines have to be better, and we saw um, that uh, Claude Julien has has uh, put the lines in the blender for tonight against uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, he certainly has done that, and uh, it I, I think it might be a little bit of a shock to most Habs fans to see how just how much these lines have kind of been uh, blended about. So you have Deneau and Gallagher that are staying together. But joining them is Jonathan Drouin. So that is a very different look from what we've been accustomed to with Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher being a staple. Whose face is on a milk carton right now, Jonathan Drouin. He has completely, after a good start, has completely disappeared, especially in those two um, physical games against uh, Boston and, and Philadelphia. Yeah. So would like to see a lot more from Jonathan Drouin and maybe joining... Deneau and Gallagher will provide a little bit of a spark. I think that's the hope, but we'll see how that all turns out. Uh, you have Paul Byron, as you mentioned, he scored, so maybe getting a little bit of a reward. Uh, he's going up with Max Domi and Yoel Armia. Then you have Haling, Thompson, and Cousins, uh, Tatara, Suzuki, and Lekkonen. So you have Suzuki at center, Paling on the wing, and then uh, two guys who picked up a couple of penalties against the Philadelphia Flyers and Tatar and Lekkonen. Uh, they've been uh, a little bit demoted, I guess, as as John Liu has it tweeted out. It, it looks like they are the fourth line uh, entering tonight's game. And the other thing we saw for the first time uh, this year um, was uh, Sherratt and Weber together. Yeah. And that was for the Bruins game, uh, which which bumped uh, Victor Matt down to the, the second line, uh, second pairing with, um, with Petrie and uh, that was that it which seemed to work out pretty well and and uh, yeah. it was a, a pairing that you really liked well yeah and this is because as we've talked about on this podcast Victor Meta should be a second pairing defenseman he shouldn't have to be playing with Shea Weber at this point in his career it's unfair to ask him to do that because it's it's just too much responsibility too soon for a guy who's still trying to learn and grow. And even in that game against the Bruins, when there was, you know, the, the two goals that he scored and he was playing pretty well against alongside Jeff Petrie, there were still moments where, you know what, he probably could have been a little bit better in his own zone or managing the puck 
or, or various other things, you know, he's still going to make those young mistakes because he's still learning at the NHL level. So putting him alongside Jeff Petrie, who for the most part this season has been uh, a very consistent and somebody that the Canadians have relied upon for both offense and defense, um, didn't look especially great against uh, Philadelphia, at least as far as I could tell. But, I mean, there, there weren't many that did. <laughs> but against Boston, he and Victor Meta were a really good pairing. And I think that's just because that is where both of those guys should be. And it just looked like it, it worked wonderfully for both of them. We also see uh, Brett Kulak finally getting back into the lineup uh, yes. tonight um, <laughs> with uh, uh, Flurry and and uh, on the third pair and and uh, Kulak is a bit of a analytics darling. Um, his possession numbers are always strong. Um, Claude Julien was asked, uh, you know, why he was out of the lineup and and I think correctly said and and I'm really going to paraphrase here um, that he's he's uh, you know handled the 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 puck with like a hand grenade every time he's had it and that's true. He's He's uh, not looked confident with the puck. Um, he's bobbled a lot. He's created turnovers. So Kulak has, and, and Kulak said uh, as much that he's, he's struggled in the, uh, you know, a good number of, of the games that, that he's played. Uh, but I have to say that, and, and, uh, you know, I kept a bit of an eye on, um, I kind of keep an eye on a, a player, a period kind of thing. And Mike Riley was, uh, the guy on uh, Thursday night in uh, Philadelphia that I was watching uh, closely, and he had as bad a period as a defenseman could have. Um, uh, he, he putting him putting himself out of the play and and bad reads and and uh, you know trying to to block sh- sliding out of the way and giving clear pass. It was it was awful. Mike Riley was just terrible in the first period against the flyers and um really you got you gotta wonder if um that two-year deal how long he yeah. can he can last uh with the habs and particularly uh we've got our question of the week coming up um and uh that is uh you know uh, yesperi kakinami hasn't yet been cleared uh to uh, return to the lineup but when he is somebody's going to have to go to Laval, and our question of the week is, who would you send to Laval when Cockingham is ready to return? And yeah, certainly uh, keep those, get those answers in because we want to know uh, what you think of, of that. And I mean, it really does speak volumes about where Mike Riley's at, that people even still, even by his own admission, Brett Kulak saying that he hasn't been at his best and people were still clamoring for Brett Kulak to take Mike Riley's spot in the lineup. So yeah, it, it just it hasn't been a good good go of it for Mike Riley, and and really we've talked about that contract at length on this podcast. So um, yeah, it hasn't it doesn't look like it's going to be working out very well. Um, but a contract that I think has worked out pretty well, even though there's a lot of people that would like to point at it and say that uh, he doesn't deserve it or any of those other things. Uh, Carey Price, <laughs> he put on a show and displayed exactly why he's getting paid the money that he's getting paid against the Philadelphia Flyers. But still entering that game after the Boston Bruins, that five to four game, it was high scoring both ways. um, People were questioning whether or not 
Carey Price, if, if this Montreal Canadiens team was winning in spite of Carey Price's play, which, I mean, after that Boston game, he had a 9-10 save percentage. So that's still not bad. It's still, it's not Carey Price's, you know, we're used to, we're accustomed to him being in the 920s, 930s, and, uh, you know, even in the mid-930s. So it's, it's a little bit jarring to see that the save percentage is where it is, but it's also very early. And Carey Price is Carey Price, and we've seen him round into form. We just saw it last year where he just got in that groove that he can get into and he can carry a team. So what did you make of all the discussion that surrounded Carey Price before the Philadelphia game and his kind of uh, his way of dispelling that narrative that was going around? Well, yeah, you had to uh, watch that that game in uh, Philadelphia. There there is there is no other goaltender in the NHL who could have done uh, uh, who could have performed the way he performed on that night um and 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 getting the stealing the point and um it, it can uh, carry price is uh, has been for a very long time and still is uh their best player uh yeah. now uh, you know uh, you can you can um if you don't like that well then you should take it up with Mark Bergevin who's been you know, unable to uh, bring in that that top center that uh, he promised, uh, and certainly over this past uh, um, this, uh, off season, he he did nothing to improve uh, the defense, and that that whole left side and why you see the juggling that you do with Sherratt coming up for a game and is is because everybody is kind of playing out of position, and and uh, you have players. Um, you know, that, that, that shouldn't be there. Like, like Riley, um, who are, are in for a couple of games. Um, you know, the, the Canadians are, are, um, the only team that's, uh, you know, in, in, in the playoff hunt that, that are within, uh, a couple of points of, of the wild card card that are so, poor at giving up high danger shots. The Canadians are 25th in the NHL at giving up high danger scoring chances. Um, if they were even in the, in, in the middle of the road um, that, uh, you know, Carey Price's save percentage would be uh, far greater. Uh, people point yeah. to so many goals on so many shots. It's kind of irrelevant when the shots are of such a high quality. Um, yeah. And with the Canadians having such a poor defense, uh, giving up the slot and having such a poor power play or sorry, penalty kill this season. Um, it's, it's a wonder that Carey Price's numbers are not worse. And, and really uh, he's, he's uh, played a huge role in uh, making sure that uh, um, there are those tops of the roller coaster that we've been talking about that, uh, that are, uh, give fans hope and, and uh, keep them in the conversation that, you know, uh, people were complaining about the, the Pasternak goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was a one timer Pasternak. I think it was his 15th goal of the season, top goal scorer in the league. Um, people are just being silly. And, and you see that, yeah. um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, PK Subban fans that, that, 
that uh, blame Carrie for whatever reason for the exit of Subban. So all the Subanites are going to hate Carrie Price. You have the whole language stuff and that the Canadians should have a, a homegrown goaltender. Um, so there's a lot of those people that hate, hate Carrie Price. And then you have in Montreal, uh, it, it still boggles my mind. And there's one of them that on, on uh, Twitter by the name of Corey Todd that people reference who puts out, spews constant Carey Price hate. He's, he's a closet Bruins fan, and you'll see that he'll praise the Bruins, um, and then he puts out a few positive Canadians. Tweet. But, but the Boston Bruins, as a fan base, hate Carey Price, given that he plays so well against that. So yep. there's a lot of people in Montreal, Quebec, in the Canadians fan base that hate Carey Price and, and usually fall into – um, you know, one of those three categories and is why he gets uh, unfairly gets so much criticism. Yeah. And uh, well, you mentioned Mark Bergevin there. Um, so talking about Mark Bergevin for just a second, because there was an interesting trade that happened just a couple of days ago that involved a former Montreal Canadian, Jacob De La Rose. And so he was traded to St. Louis for Robbie Fabry. And and this was something that really was a uh, was quite shocking to me because being a Montreal being, you know, following the Montreal Canadiens, I wasn't sure that you were allowed to trade a young player that you didn't see fitting in with your organization <laughs> for another young player. Who would have thought you could do that? That's, that's, that's not right. against the CBA. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, th- that was something that I mean, it I, and it worked out for Detroit at least in one game. They have Robbie Fabry scored two goals last night. And I mean, you can only hope that Jacob De La Rose is going to go to St. Louis and, and maybe he'll fit in, uh, fit in there. I, I didn't think that he looked uh, too bad as a, as a Detroit Red Wing, but maybe they just wanted to see if they could uh, find something in, in Robbie Fabry who might have a little bit more scoring upside. Yeah. Um, uh, Detroit needs scoring. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Fabry hadn't worked out with uh, the the Blues and and uh, with a lot of promise and and he went through uh, you know some uh, knee injuries surgery yeah. um, and it was Sammy Blade that kind of passed him on the uh, the depth chart and and took his spot and um, uh, with with Steen Alex Steen injured uh, the Blues have a need. And, and when you listen to uh, Armstrong or you listen to Berube, they talk about uh, De La Rose. He's big, he skates well, good hands, he's smart. Um, and they wanted that guy uh, in their lineup um, who could play. He's uh, uh, slated to play on the third line. That is De La Rose with uh, Tyler Bozak and Sammy Blay. Um, and it, it, it shows that, that, um, you know, certainly the Blues, the defending cup champions, uh, they know that it takes different types of players and, and different pieces, and they value uh, what uh, De La Rose has. And we remember, you know, Bergevin, we've complained before about his asset management and, and uh, losing De La, De La Rose on waivers, uh, whereas um, Iserman was able to, um, uh, you know, parlay him into what they needed and uh um in Fabry and and uh, uh St. Louis got exactly what they needed. Um yeah. So it's it's uh, it, it is an interesting trade and it is a way 
to to kind of keep an eye on how other teams uh, manage their young players. And yeah, like, and I always, I'm always very intrigued by these types of trade where you have two young players involved and just see how how things turn out for them. Um, so shifting gears a little bit to Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts that we talked about this last week with the uh, Zaku Koivu story. Uh, but he was talking about the Montreal Canadiens just a little bit in his most recent article. So uh, thought number 10 that he has written here is said that he could see Edmonton making a run at Russian forward uh, Konstantin Okulov. But he says that Montreal is considered the front runner for him. So that is uh, of interest if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, want to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more talent. Uh, and then he also talked about Ryan Paling because, of course, he got the the call up uh, following the uh, injury to Jesperi Kotkaniemi and he's talking about how, you know, people looked at him after he had a good camp and unfortunately he suffered that concussion in, uh, in the preseason. But he says, well, you know, he was talking to an executive who pushed back against the narrative about, that was surrounding his, uh, you know, perceived lackluster play in the AHL. But he says he got hurt and no one should underestimate how hard it could be or it can be for a young player to recover from that injury so early in his career, he said. It takes time, especially getting used used to the physicality. And, uh, you know, and he, continued, he went on to say that he will be an NHLer for sure. And, uh, yeah, I think we've seen enough uh, from Ryan Paling to, to say that with confidence. He looks like he could be an NHL player for a long time. But, yeah, like talking about the, uh, you know, just how difficult it is for a young player specifically to come back from a concussion like that, and and that I think that's a really good point. Well, young players think they're invincible, and and uh, yeah. <laughs> when when they receive uh, an injury like that, it's um, um, they, they don't quite know how to react. And then when they lose their spot because of it, uh, there's a whole emotional thing to go through. And, yeah. Um, and it and and then when he gets to. Um, you know, Laval, and um, you would assume that he would be getting lots of minutes and on the top line, he wasn't. Uh, he was, um, you know, on the third line, he wasn't getting any special teams time when he first arrived. And um, so it, it, the whole thing was kind of a, a, a bit of a, a, you know, a slap in the face to him. Uh, and, and he didn't quite know how to react. And it it's taken some time. He, um you know, and, and taking some time for him to, to get back. And he's been bounced around a bit. You saw him dropped from the third to the fourth line um, in the game against the Flyers. And that's, that's fine. That's coach's prerogative and, and he'll line up on the fourth line tonight. But um, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to, to see how um, the Canadians uh, manage their young prospects. And you, and you looked in that game in Philadelphia Boy, there's a lot of young players there. Oh there's, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, Faraby, who's playing on the top line. There's, there's Myers. There's uh, Sandheim. There's, I mean, a, a whole pile of of young players, um, and they've been routinely bringing uh, up players from the Phantoms. So, um, uh, this business about uh, you, you mentioned about the KHL or Okulov um, uh, is is interesting, but the Canadians are looking for. Uh, somebody who can um, be a goal scorer, um, you know, has w- w- with uh, Paul Byron having his difficulties uh, this year, and and uh, um, they're they're looking for somebody. And if 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 you look at Okulov's um, 
2018-19 a full season and kind of do the the calculations with the games and the, you apply the KHL factor and all that. It, he's about a 40-point player. Um, so we're not talking a, a sniper here, but uh, no. <laughs> perhaps a player that can uh, can uh, fill a hole and uh, and contribute to secondary scoring. So speaking of the Montreal Canadiens looking for a goal scorer, we have enough time for a quick Cole Caulfield update. So how is Cole Caulfield progressing at uh, Wisconsin? Oh, no. You had to uh, ask. Cole yeah. Caulfield got, yeah, it was blanked last night. Oh, blanked. Oh, everybody's in. Yeah, they're yeah, Everybody's <laughs> in mourning today. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin beat uh, Omaha, Nebraska, five-two uh, uh, last night. Cole Caulfield uh, had four shots on goal, um, but other than that, wasn't on the score sheet. However, this week, uh, Cole was uh, named the National Rookie of the Month. The the NCAA. Wow. Uh, rookie of the month, and he led all NCAA freshmen in uh, both goals and in points for the month of October. So, congratulations to Cole. Well, maybe that'll give him the boost of confidence he needs to get back on the right track and score two goals next game, <laughs> which is tonight. So, yes, which is tonight. Yeah. So we're gonna take just a quick break, and when we come back, boy, there was a lot of officiating to talk about this week. We had some calls in the Bruins game that went Montreal's way, some calls in the Philadelphia game that didn't really break the Canadians' way as much as they did in the Bruins. So we're going to talk about that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net.
And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And just preparing for this segment where we're going to talk about officiating, we just went into a full uh, full conversation about what happened in Philadelphia. So, Rick, um, I, I guess we'll we'll start there, and then we'll work we'll work our way back because this was the thing that happened most recently, and probably the thing that the Montreal Canadiens and their fans are most concerned with, which was the non okay so it, a puck that went down the ice looked like it got deflected at center ice by something and it was called icing face off back in montreal zone and there's a lot of confusion and montreal is trying to sort it out the officials look like they're trying to sort it out but not quite as much as montreal's bench and anyways what happens is montreal gets called for delay of game and uh yeah so that wasn't Claude Julien's favorite call of the night, I would hazard a guess. Um, but he's probably got a lot of choice in that regard. Uh, later on in the game, Jonathan Drouin takes a stick in the face. Looks like he might have been bleeding on the inside of his mouth. He looked, it looked like on the bench he was gesturing that there was something going on with a tooth or something or other. And anyways, regardless, um, Montreal had a lot of reasons to maybe be a little bit unhappy with how things turned out in Philadelphia. Um, so what did you take away from all of that? Well, uh, first of all, the, you know, it was definitely, um, it it shouldn't have been called icing. Uh, the puck was, was, uh, it hit a, hit a Canadian stick at center. Um, you could hear it in the building. It was, it was clearer than, than day. Um, and, um, and the Canadians were, were quite um, um, surprised, first of all, that it was called icing. And in, often in those kind of situations, um, you know, the, the Canadians were saying, oh, well, check with, you know, check with the other, because there's no way that four of them could have missed that, yeah. it, was, uh, that it was the puck was ticked at center ice. Uh, and oftentimes, yes, you check with another guy. Yes, it was tipped. All right mistake was made uh go to center ice and um and uh and 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 acknowledge the mistake and continue on uh but for whatever reason and i I don't i don't understand um uh the officials started arguing back and and kind of uh aggressively um and um paul byron got into it with one of the officials Claude Julian was getting into it and um, Brendan Gallagher uh, crawled up one side and down the other of, of an official so badly that, that Shea Weber skated all the way across the ice and inserted himself in between because uh, <laughs> uh, Gallagher was uh, on his way out of the game. Um, if that, if he didn't happen. So, yeah. um, all right. So, uh, the, the 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 it went on and on and on and then um the officials lost track of who was actually on the ice um mm-hmm. it was domi it was byron it was lekanen Sherratt, and petrie um in the meantime with all these players coming on the ice to to argue um armia was out there uh, thinking there was going to be a you know a line change and um the the Canadians or the officials were se- were sending um, Domi back 
and leaving the Canadians without a centerman um, to take the face off against the Bruins' best line, um, which then exploded the whole thing. And Julian was outraged uh, yeah. that they, they not only got the, the call on the icing wrong, but they, they, they didn't keep track. And it's, it's what, when, when an icing is called, there's one guy who's, who takes note of who's on the ice and, and, uh, and they mess that up too. Um, so it exploded. Uh, Julian was as angry as I've ever seen him since his return. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was known for a hot temper. He's kept that under control since his return to Montreal. Um, but he was as hot. The Canadians were outraged. Um, and uh, and the, the, the delay a game of penalty was called. Um, and I, well, I said to you, I thought that um, Julian was, was going to get fined because his comment about... Yeah. Um, Maybe they embarrassed themselves um, tonight. Post game said that about the officials. Um, that's not the kind of thing that the league normally lets go, and uh, and usually a fine is levied. But I think, and I'm just I don't have any information on this that it was so egregious both of the decisions by the referees that they felt that they couldn't find um, yeah. uh, Julian, even though he was way across the line in, in terms of language um, the, that you, that's uh, being critical of the officials is usually not something yeah. that goes unpunished. And I could only think of one other time, and this happened last year when Claude Julian lost his mind on the bench. And that was when TJ Luxmore, if you remember Arturi Lekkinen getting hooked by Thomas Shabbat, it, and he oh, felt yeah. the ice puck goes to Philip up and he puts it in the net and that goal gets called back. But this was like the whole game was just that call. Like that was how Claude Julien looked on the bench. And yeah, it, it's, it, it's justifiable. And I agree with what he had to say. And it's quite surprising actually that he's going to get away with saying that, that it feels like any time that somebody says something about the officials, regardless of what the context is, they usually get a fine. So it's it's good that they've uh, that they've realized that those were probably incorrect calls and moved on with it. Um, the, the other thing I'll yeah. just add to your point about uh, Duran. The other thing that um, uh, Julian said afterwards was that the ref clearly saw the high stick to um, Duran, yeah. but chose not to call the penalty because they had made their mind up that they were going to punish the Canadians. I'm paraphrasing, uh, but. Uh, that, that was a bit, uh, over the line too. And, and that one too, I was surprised he, he didn't receive any kind of correction about it. And, and maybe, maybe he did, um, the, the league warned him about that privately, but certainly nothing came out publicly about that. And yeah. And and sometimes it's just that you have to take, and uh, maybe he's aware of this is that something happens like that. You have to take the hit because you see something like that happen on the ice you feel that your team's been wronged and maybe he was fully prepared to do that. And the league said, well, okay, you might've been a little bit justified in what you said. We're going to let you off the hook this time, but yeah, uh, next time maybe you won't be so lucky. Um, So speaking of the officials, um, as we said, there was also an incident in the Boston game that uh, drew the ire of Boston sports fans, the Boston media, and it's continued 
to uh, be at center stage. Uh, it's surrounding Charlie Coyle and the offside review that a lot of people really don't seem to like around the sport, around the game, but it, it's, it's still a rule, and the Canadians used it against the Boston Bruins. And it, like I said it, at the beginning of the show when we were talking about it just before we went on the air, the, the Canadians could have conceivably not won a game this week. Like we could be talking here and it'd be a very different situation, but that call goes their way. Ben Chirot scores the game winner. And then we're talking about a Canadians win and the Bruins complaining about this particular call. The, the offside uh, by Charlie Coyle. And uh, when you look at it, um, it, it was, uh, he was offside. It, he, he was offside. Yeah. There's no question about that. Whether, you know, um, he was able to have a, they say he had control of it between the, his feet and, and the puck was on a string between his skates and an invisible string and all that kind of stuff. That was the possession that they were talking about. Um, it was clearly offside. And, and um, however, um, you know, what people are talking about is, well, if it takes five minutes to come to that conclusion, um, maybe maybe that's too long and you should have a time limit. And, um, you know, uh, Bruce Cassidy said, well, um, that, that the, the re- review is only mentioned for uh, egregious uh, uh, calls that, that, that if the, if they're too close, then, then they shouldn't be, you know, subject to that, that review. It, it, it got really silly. Um and they're, you know, the Boston media is talking about that. Oh, that we should institute the Charlie Coyle rule, and and Bruins fans are so used, so used to getting every single ruling go their way, whether it's in supplementary discipline or they they because of this cozy relationship between Jeremy Jacobs and Gary Bettman, everything goes the way of Bruins fans, and oh my goodness, um, you know, because one went the wrong way, and and they complained that that in the now the, the Bruins, after last night's game, have three um, regulation losses. But at the time, it was two. And that there was, in those two losses, there was uh, three reviewed calls and goals that went uh, against them. And they uh, suggested that, that if it were not for these uh, reviews, uh, they would be an unbeaten team. Um, I mean, it, it gets really, really uh, <laughs> silly. And I, I, I just have no patience for the Bruins fans. Um, the, you know, uh, the, the rule, the, the, the review, the offside, it's, it's difficult. You have the whole lifting of the skates and coming across the blue line and all that sort of thing. I agree that it's, uh, um, maybe not in the spirit of what the rule was, uh, put there for, but, uh, how else are you going to, um, arbitrate that? I, I, I don't yeah. see anything else by, uh, other than then if it's offside, even if it's it, if the differences are minute, then uh, that's that's the, that's the way it has to go. And unless you, you know, uh, get rid of the review completely, which I don't think anybody wants to see. Yeah. So and then to make matters a little bit more difficult, I mean, if, unless you're <laughs> if you're on Twitter and you have to see Bruins complaining about the result, to make matters just a little bit worse, there was also the Zdeno Chara shove to Nate Thompson that resulted in Thompson 
going into Tuka Rask and sort of landing on top of him, taking him out of his crease and allowing lethal goal scorer Victor Metza to pot his second of the <laughs> night. Um, so that kind of made things a little bit, it kind of exacerbated the situation where you had that call, the offside call, and then, you know, and, and I mean, I guess the Bruins kind of brought that on themselves. They didn't challenge the uh, the call on the ice, so they could have conceivably tried to do that, and that might have let it go the other way, depending on how the review process saw that goal. But regardless, you have a goal that is allowed by the Montreal, you know, that, that is allowed by the officials for the Montreal Canadiens that may have been goaltender interference and one that was taken away because of an offside that occurred roughly 15 seconds before the goal occurred. So it's still, it's, it's Bruins fans are still going to be complaining regardless. Well, and, and, and Rask is going to be complaining to Rask. Yeah. It just <laughs> the nice part of that was seeing him get infuriated and start screaming and yeah, gesturing. Yeah. And, and um, he, he should have been, I mean, he was upset uh, with his own play, probably four soft goals, uh, yeah. He gave up uh, the Sherratt. The game-winning goal was was really soft, uh, but there was no question that Chera knocked yeah. Thompson down, and uh, uh, that would have. I've, uh, I'm pretty confident saying that they would have lost that review. Um, yeah. If they had cha- if they had challenged. And yeah, I mean, it was bittersweet. It was kind of bittersweet for me because I, I own Tuka Rask in fantasy. That wasn't a great performance, but uh, <laughs> regardless, uh, it was, yeah, it, it's always, it's, I mean, people on Twitter love to see a Tuka Rask temper tantrum and you haven't gotten exactly. to see a whole lot of them this year. So uh, it was uh, pretty, pretty fun to see that. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, so where are the Montreal Canadiens coming out of this week? Because we talked about last week, the, roller coaster that this season, this season could be. And so you have a one, one in one week. And especially after that Philadelphia game, a lot of the talk has been about, well, you know what the Canadians, I mean, for half an hour opening, you know, uh, except for the first five or so minutes, they looked okay. After that, they were not there until midway through the second period and into the third, they really did not look good for half of that game. And, you know, I thought about maybe if we can just put on, we could do like our best Greg Keeler impression, put on our rose-colored glasses here for a second and talk about where the Montreal Canadiens actually might benefit from that result against the Philadelphia Flyers. And I have three different reasons why I think that this could happen. And number one, the first one, we've already talked about the first one, which is that Carey Price stole them a point. So you got a point out of a game where you played maybe a decent 20 minutes, maybe. That might be generous to even say that much. The Canadians, they got a little bit of pressure. I mean, Weber scored that goal. Sherratt got him back in the game. But, I mean, it, it's still like it, it was not a good performance. And you have a goaltender that was good enough, as you said, maybe the only goalie that is good enough to will a, will a team on like that and steal a point. And that's where I think that's number one. That is the biggest reason why the Montreal Canadiens could benefit from that. But I mean, it's still, you know, he'd still like to fix a lot of what was going on there, especially on the breakout. But number two, in that game, you would have to think the Montreal Canadiens, as we know, have some pretty prideful guys. (laughs) We, We know that much. 
So they're watching that unfold. And you have to think that at some point they're all like, well, this is unacceptable. Like, this is just not good enough. We are hanging our goaltender out to dry like it's laundry day in Newfoundland. Like, it's the middle of summer. You're hanging your sheets out because it's a lovely day with a nice breeze. That is what the Montreal Canadiens did to Carey Price. And it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal to do that to their teammate. So I'm looking at guys like Brendan Gallagher, like Max Domi, like Shea Weber, you know. And, and, and those are guys that when I think of this game tonight against Los Angeles, they're going to come out. And they're going to say, you know what, we didn't do our teammate. We didn't, we did our teammate a disservice last game by not coming out and playing. We're going to play tonight and LA is going to feel us. And that's why I think that could be a big thing. And it reminded me, it'll take you back to 2014 against the Ottawa Senators. And it was one of the only things that Michelle Terrian did in his time as a head coach that I absolutely agreed with. It was remember that game against the Senators where he made like four or five saves on Mark Stone alone that had people saying, well, this is the best goaltender on planet Earth. <laughs> and then on 24CH, back in, when they used to follow the Habs into the dressing room, Carey Price left, and Michelle Therrien was like, all right, guys, that was unacceptable. You, you, like, that was terrible. You guys did nothing all game, and the poor guy had to steal the two points for us. Now, what happened after that was they lost 5-3 to three to Toronto on Hockey Night in Canada, but I think the message is largely the same that they need to come out tonight and absolutely work their butts off for Carey Price because he did for them against Philadelphia. And finally, my last reason, I think that you need something like that to happen to you in the middle of a long season at various different points. You need to feel as though you are going against not only the other team, but all the forces in the world, because it's kind of, I mean, as an eight playing 82 games and I mean, you see it in baseball too, 162 games, it's hard to get fired up for every game and carry that emotion on with you. Sometimes you need something to happen that just galvanizes you and gives you that extra little bit of emotion. And if the Montreal Canadians aren't going to get fired up after they saw what happened in Philadelphia, I'm not quite sure what's going to do it. We already know that Claude Julian's a little bit fired up about it, but it was, you know, so that's the part of it where I think that, you need just a little bit of that fire, a little bit of something to stoke that energy and get it going for you again. And I think that in the long run, uh, that works out well. If you have a, you know, I, I can think of a couple of games in my lifetime where I've watched my teams get, you know, a little bit of a, of a bad whistle or some bad calls, and then they use that energy and carry it forward with them. And that's something that I think the Canadians really need because, it, it's early, but it still it looks like they're going through the motions already, and you kind of need something that they can grab onto and find a little bit of consistency. And maybe if they can use the lack of calls that they had, the bad calls that they had against Philadelphia, maybe they can use that and channel it in a good way, and they can come out and, and go on a bit of a winning streak. Because as we've talked about, it's just been up and down and all over the place. There hasn't been much consistency and they desperately need to find some, and maybe this emotion can do that for them. That, that's all uh, really well said, excellently said, and um, yeah, using that, that performance by Price as a, as a springboard uh, yeah. to the rest of this month. And if you'll permit me, if I can add one more, uh, just yep. listening to what you said uh, comes to mind, 
uh, is schedule. Um, yes. And that is, we, we've talked uh, about it on, on this show before, how fortunately the, the, the uh, NHL schedule makers were kind uh, to the Montreal Canadiens and, and they've been, it's been uh, ranked the third easiest schedule um, in the NHL this season, but November, especially, especially these next three weeks uh, are the easiest part of an easy schedule. It's what makes yeah. <laughs> uh, their, their schedule easy. Eight of the the next 11 games uh, are at home. So they have a, a, a home heavy schedule uh, for the rest, rest of the month. Of those 11 games, they face just two teams that are currently in a playoff position. Uh, that is the Capitals and the Bruins. Um, if you look at the schedule, the Canadians will be rested for nine of those 11 games. Um, and in the situations where they have back-to-backs, they're playing teams who will be deemed tired. Um, so this this is the most favorable portion of their their schedule. And this is, if they can use, as you, you've described, for all those reasons, uh, Price's performance as a springboard uh, to really uh, go on a streak here and uh, pack the points uh, because yep. things will will uh, get tougher as it goes on. And yeah, I mean, this is it, points matter on all points of the year. You need to rack up the points. You're supposed to beat the teams that you're supposed to be able to beat. And the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, they have a nice home schedule in the month of November. And it's really a good opportunity for them to rack up some points and hopefully earn two points because, you know, you don't want to have to have your goaltender steal you a point here and two points there for the rest of the way. So it'd be great if they could get on a nice run. And as you mentioned, the schedule could really help them out in doing that. Um, So we're going to take just a quick break here on the Canadians connection podcast. And when we come back, we've got the answers to the question of the week, some responses that have been coming in. And just as a reminder, the question of the week, who would you send to Laval when cut is cleared to return to the lineup? So we're going to be getting to answers to that question after just a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. 
In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back here to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Joela19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, you can visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, um, we have the answers to the question of the week. But before we get there, we do have a really nice, funny quote of the week as well. And this comes from Brendan Gallagher. So, John Liu tweeted out, that uh, Gallagher joked, I didn't cry when his twice left broken hand absorbed a shot uh, last night, which would be against the, uh, the Boston Bruins. And he said, but said it alarmed him because it felt different and unfamiliar because he hadn't taken a shot to that hand since his gloves have been uh, reinforced with plates for extra protection. So he didn't cry. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say that he used some adult language that we cannot use uh, as a family show that we, we can't it, use. We can't reiterate. <laughs> indeed. He was cursing a storm as he went to the, uh, the dressing room. He thought that something was uh, seriously wrong again, um, yeah. but uh, you know, got that kind of funny feeling in his, in his hand, I guess, um, you know, like, like uh, hitting a ball on a on a on a cold night um, with an aluminum bat kind of thing, it goes right yeah. right through your hand. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, at least I didn't cry. It was <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was well done. <laughs> I like that from uh, from Brandon Gallagher, and and yeah, it's it's always it's like you know once guys get a couple of injuries to one, whether it be a hand or or anything, really, I mean, you just always wince when you see something happen. You know there's that injury history. So it was good that uh, he was not hurt, and even better yet, he, he didn't cry. So uh, good news on all fronts for Brendan Gallagher. Um, <laughs> so moving uh, along, we do have the question of the week, which is who would you send to Laval when Kat Kanyemi is clear to return to the lineup? And we've gotten some responses on this one. And I think it's, it's, it's good to start with, with Amy Johnson, our friend, uh, the correspondent, lead correspondent at the AHL report. And uh, she gave her thoughts on, on all of this. And uh, she said that she would go with Mike Riley. And we talked about this. He's, he's not been very good. And uh, he, and she says as much, he's been a liability in so many games recently. Uh, she would put him on waivers and, and, and Fred had an interesting comment. Fred Arshoff on Twitter said, Bowen, has been a healthy scratch for like 10 straight games. So I don't see him having a future uh, with the Habs. And that is also a, a good point there. I think those are two uh, good candidates for that. I mean, with the emergence of, of Kale Fleury, I'm not quite sure that you need to have uh, Fulham around. And, and maybe in the future, you could have some other guys that are, that are going to be in on that spot that might be a little bit more, uh, reliable maybe a Noah Juleson once he's back to where he was last year however long that might take 
Um, but yeah, so you have those two guys being the uh, the main ones that people have been uh, throwing out. Um, and yeah, Brad saying that Riley would be a good call as he needs to work on his game. We also have Kulak that needs to play. And uh, finally, we have Matt Smith, who is with the uh, Hads Unfiltered podcast, says, my pick would be Mike Riley, a defensive liability each time he steps on the ice. Hopefully he'll be moved or placed on waivers in the near future. So we have a near unanimous <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, what's Facebook saying? Yeah, it's uh, it, it seems that and and and, and there you have um Moving one of those uh, defensemen and, and um, you know, uh, Bergevin certainly brought in bodies, but not necessarily the right ones over the summer. Um, And it's funny when you realize that that Brett Kulak has has three years on his deal um, at one one point eight five. You have Mike Riley two years at one point five. Follin might be the the one, um, uh, you know, a youth after the end of this year. And uh, the reason that, that Folan was in, in the first place was uh, that he brought some size, uh, which uh, as you said, flurry has been um, pro- playing a physical game and certainly Sherrod has yeah. taken over uh, providing um, uh, the hits as well. Uh, when we go to Facebook and, and we'd love to have you join us on Facebook, the, the all Habs fan page on Facebook, uh, just search for all Habs, all one word on Facebook. Um, uh, Alan Allen um, says, send uh, Kakinyemi to the minors. Um, I, I I don't necessarily see uh, a Laval stint being helpful for him, um, but that's what Alan says. Uh, Jim McElwain says, uh, Folan, uh, and run with the extra forward. Um, Jean-Francois says, I'd choose the Canadian's best player to go <laughs> to go to Laval uh, okay. just so that we pick top three. All right. Okay. Huh. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> I see. Uh, Chris Hardy says, uh, Senkot Kinyemi down. Um, Rodney Barrett said, I would be exploring the trade market. Uh, I'd try to move a package that includes a forward, a D-man, and a pick or a prospect to make room for Suzuki, Paley, and Kakinyemi with a big club. That sounds awfully reasonable, Rodney. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was one, uh, there was a bit of the, a debate about Thompson uh, going to the, uh, to Laval. I, I don't see that happening. He's been, uh, he's actually been playing uh, pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Daryl Kennedy says uh, Tatar. Uh, that's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> Tatar has uh, is not is in the doghouse. I'd say with uh, Claude Julien right now. Uh, Bob Kyler says Folin, uh, and Paul Dubé says send Paling back down or trade a veteran. Okay, well, a wide array of uh, responses to that, and you know I would thinking of. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens for right now. I mean, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how they play this because, as you mentioned, I mean, they could just send down, send back down Ryan Paling. But I feel like, yeah, the trade market might be the route for them. And I think that that might be the most reasonable thing to do at this point. I mean, it seems like they just have too many players. And as you mentioned, Nate Thompson, uh, that was the point that I was uh, – you mentioned a, a little while ago 
about how him he's been really a, not only a guy that's been been winning faceoffs that that's been reliable in that regard as we know that he is capable of being, but he's also been producing a level of offense that I think has come to surprise a lot of Habs fans, and uh, his skating has notably been a, a lot better. So I I don't yeah I don't think that Nate Thompson's the guy that's going to be uh, sent down or traded. I I don't know if that's the the route that we're going to be seeing the Canadians go, but it's certainly a a valid question at this point to see where exactly they go. So uh, keep those responses coming on Twitter, the all Habs fan page. We like to uh, interact with our listeners and, uh, and see what you guys think. Um, Let's get the the text number in there too, because you can also, uh, if you're listening on demand, you can text us uh, your response. And our rocket sports text number is five, eight, five, three rocket. That's five, eight, five, Three Rocket text us seven days a week, 24 hours a day. The uh, text line is always open, and we're happy to receive uh, your uh, either your comments on this question or if you have other questions. Uh, you mentioned the the trade route. Um, here's one uh, on uh, our Facebook page uh, from Andre Sanchez, who says that uh, Kakinemi should be the one to be traded. Oh. And um, he's he's suggesting that uh, Kakanyemi be traded to New Jersey uh, for Taylor Hall. <laughs> yeah, he's the uh, the order of the day, I guess, for, for yeah. teams that want to acquire a bit of a score. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to be that's going to be the best thing for Montreal to do at this point in time. But uh, you know, hey, it's it's we appreciate the suggestion. I mean. That might be something that uh, getting a, a top line score that that's probably something that's at the top of Mark Bergevin's to do list. Granted, it's been there for a, about seven years, but uh, you know, hey, he might he might get around to doing that. Um, <laughs> so, Rick, we have got quite the night ahead. The Montreal Canadiens uh, taking on the Los Angeles Kings. Um, so. Where can we, we know that you do the live game report and then the live tweeting and then the game report afterwards. And so that'll be quite the night to see how the Montreal Canadiens respond to everything that's happened within the last week. Well, shortly we're going to have the uh, game pre the game day preview. um, And that's uh, something both uh, Sam Gerber or our uh, staff writer and I contribute to. So that'll get you prepped for, Tonight's game against the Kings. Following the game, there'll be a, 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 a game uh, recap that comes out uh, with everything that, that uh, in case you missed any part of the game or you just want to relive it. Um, and you can go to allhabs.net for that. Uh, if you want to check in on Laval, uh, they play tonight in Cleveland going against the Monsters. They have won five in a row. They're on a bit of a a role yeah. right now, and you can go to ahl.report, ahl.report, and and uh, uh, watch uh, both Chris and Amy, who um, Flyers rule, and Chris G, who will be uh, tweeting, and uh, the AHL report on Twitter will have all of that, uh, all of those details for you. So, um, well, we got you covered, no matter uh, what you're looking for, uh, re- related to the Montreal Canadiens. And speaking of uh, the great work of the AHL Report, Chris and Amy, our friend Amy on the latest episode of the From the Press Box podcast really let me have it over a trade <laughs> proposed did. that I <laughs> just I'd be remiss if I didn't get to this just to give a little bit of a response, a little bit of a rebuttal. 
So I proposed the trade when Konechny has two more points than Brendan Gallagher. So that was the trade that I proposed. I wanted to trade away Travis Konechny and get Brendan Gallagher in return. This, of course, coming after my impassioned rant about Brendan Gallagher on last week's show. But um, so I was like, yeah, this is fair. You get the guy that has more points. I get the guy that has more shots, more all around, you know, uh, more of a little bit of a overall impact on, you know, fantasy hockey. And anyways, so she goes to the From the Press Box podcast and does a spot-on impression of me, which I appreciated. I didn't know <laughs> that she could do that. Uh, it was impressive. But, um, you know, I, I have to say, I, I thought that this was a slam dunk. I mean, it, it beats what I had initially thought of as a fair trade, which was Tuka Rask for Carey Price. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I respect her decision one way or the other. And uh, obviously respect the great work that she does at the AHL report. So she can respond to that whenever she sees fit. Um. <laughs> now, the, the question was that when Brandon Gallagher took that shot to the hand and, and left the ice surface cursing, uh, were you tempted to pull back that, that trade, that trade offer? It, it might've crossed my mind. It might've, uh, <laughs> but, uh-huh. <laughs> But hey, that's that's how that's how fantasy hockey goes. Sometimes, you know, you have to ride the wave a little bit. He was fine. Maybe if he hits another one, gets another one to the hand, Amy will just trade him to me because that's how things go. She'll probably do that. But anyways, uh, as she said, though, she doesn't take part in trades. I, I was unaware of this. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's about that time that we wrap things up. And as Rick said, some great coverage to follow along with tonight. The Montreal Canadiens playing the Los Angeles Kings, the AHL report, the Laval Rocket playing in Cleveland. So keep your eyes peeled, keep them open wide for that uh, great coverage that will be coming later on today. Um, And yeah, so we're going to say goodbye for another week, but yeah, you can certainly uh, find these podcasts, this great, this podcast, Canadian Connection, the other great podcasts under the Rocket Sports Radio umbrella, Habilis and Habs Unfiltered, and the From the Press Box podcast that I just mentioned. You can just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit subscribe, and you can do that on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. So, Rick, before we take off, anything else you'd like to get to? Uh, make sure that you're supporting our November team. We have yeah. uh, uh, many of our, our staff writers, many of our contributors, uh, who are doing their darndest, whether it's either uh, growing facial hair or being involved in the, the move challenge. Uh, and um, uh, we'd really love to have uh, your support as, as we work hard to raise money for a, an amazing uh, charity. So uh, look out for our, our link to head to our Movember page, or if you just go to uh, movemberteam.co and look for all Habs, uh, you'll get to our page right away and, and whatever you can uh, donate, uh, uh, we'll gladly have and uh, for this, uh, as I said, very worthy cause. Yeah, absolutely. Worthy cause, uh, indeed. Uh, so we'll say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We'll be right back here next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.